So, uh, we've been talking about walking in the supernatural, walking in the miraculous, seeing God's miracles released in our lives. This is something today that I want to talk to you about. I've seen more miracles in this area than any other area. And let me just give you a brief overview of the book of Malachi. Malachi is a book about returning to God, coming back to God. He says in there, return to me and I will return to you. That is what we need. We need God to return to us. We need God's presence in the church and His power and His miracles and His love and His mercy and His grace. We need God. But he says in Malachi, very specifically, you need to return in three areas. Malachi chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 covers these three areas. Chapter 4 is the coming of the Son or the Messiah. Chapter 1, God says, you need to return to me in your worship in your personal devotion and your worship to me. Chapter 2, he says, you need to return to me in your family. Your family needs to serve me. Your marriage needs to glorify me. Chapter 3, he says, you need to return to me in your giving, in your finances. Now, isn't it amazing? Many, many times we've said, I can list the priorities of God. It's always God first, family second. God first, family second. I agree with that. But what's third? According to God in Malachi, he says, return to me in your, to return to me first in your relationship with me, return to me in your family, and then return to me in your giving. Now, I have walked this for many years. Please hear me. Those of you who've been here for a while know, I'm not preaching to you as a professional preacher, pastor, you know, whatever. I am a Christian. I'm a Christian. I love God. If I cannot be a Christian and be in the ministry, I will get out of the ministry. I would rather be a Christian. And when I share with you things, I'm sharing with you things that God has worked in my life and is working in my life. I have walked in this area now for 19 years as a giver in the body of Christ. I love to give. If you give, you love it. If you don't give, you don't like it. You don't want me to talk about it. That's okay, though. I'm telling you, though, I'm going to equip you in this area also. I am committed to equip you as a pastor in every area of your life. I'm committed to equip you in your personal relationship with God, in your family, and in your finances. And I promise you, you need to hear what I'm telling you today. Nineteen years ago, God began me on this begin taking me on this journey. And let me just give you a little background. I was a traveling evangelist. I, I, I got my living from traveling. In other words, I would travel and preach in churches, and they would take a love offering, and that's how I, I lived. That was my salary. Now, let me tell you something, though. I didn't have a mailing list. I did not. I, don't, I, I said I didn't, and maybe you didn't hear the mm. I did not have a mailing list. I did not ask for money. I did not manipulate. I started out with some of that stuff, and then God... Gave me a dream, actually, about I had, you know, God, well, anyway, he got upset with me. So I don't do that. I didn't, I quit doing that. <laughs> I don't want to go into all that. That's a whole other story. But the point is that God actually said to me, don't ask anything when you travel. And and most of the time when a person travels and speaks, he, he has requirements for coming. And the requirements are you pay my expenses and receive a love offering or an honorarium. And so the Lord said to me, no more. You have no requirements for going. I will take care of you. And so I began walking that. And it, it just amazed pastors. As a matter of fact, I got, the, I got this reputation, you know, that he'll come for nothing, you know. And 
kind of the, also the word went out that I was independently wealthy, which was far from the truth. But uh, pastors would call me, and they were shocked. They said, I, I hear you have no financial requirements to come. I said, that's right. They said, you mean we don't need to pay your expenses? Nope. And we don't even need to take an offering for you? Nope. And this one pastor, he, just, he was just blown away. He said, you mean if you come and, and preach and we don't give you an offering and I called you to come back, you'd come back? Yeah. He said, well, what would you do? Well, I don't understand, you know. And so, and, and, and I answered his question, but it, did, it didn't come out right. I, I, meant, I meant it in a different way. Well, here's the way. He said, well, if, we, if you come and we don't give you a love offering, what will you do? I said, well, brother, if I come and preach and you don't give me a love offering, God will take care of me and he'll take care of you. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean it the way it came out. You know, he said, because he said, well, we'll give you an offering. I said, no, no, I don't mean that. I mean he'll provide for me and he'll provide for you. And so God has provided miraculously for me for many, many years. But he also taught me early in my ministry about giving. He taught me about tithing, that 10% goes to the local church. I can show you that in Scripture. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of that, but it is very clear. Do not give five here, one here, one here, one here, and say you're tithing. Ten percent immediately goes to the place where God has called you to walk in, in, in relationship. That's it. Then we give offerings over and above that. So God began to teach me. And let me tell you what happened is he started teaching me about extravagant giving, about giving over and above the time. I had one meeting one month. That was all I had for the whole month. One meeting. And that was my, my income, all right? And it was a Sunday night meeting. It wasn't even a Sunday through Wednesday revival. It was a Sunday night meeting. So I went and I preached. And after I preached, the pastor came to me and he was so excited. He said, we've never given this much. I'm just so blessed to be able to give you this. He was all excited. He even opened up the check, showed me the amount. He said, they've never given this much. Look how much they gave you in the love offering. And it was enough for the whole month. One night for the whole month. And I just, well, thank you, Lord, you provided. I even told the pastor, I said, you know, this only means I had God provided the whole month. He said, oh, that's good. He got all excited, you know. So later, I'm standing around, I'm talking to people after service, and I was talking to this guy, and kind of out of the corner of my eye, I saw a missionary that had shared his testimony before I spoke. And I just saw him. Now, I'm listening to this guy, and I just, just barely see this missionary out of the corner of my eye, and I get this little impression. Have, have you all ever had those, you know, about giving, those little impressions? This, this little impression says, give him the love offering. And, you know, I'm trying not to show on my face while I'm talking to this guy. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I just, I, you know, immediately, I'm, you know, I, I, on the inside, I knew what to do. <laughs> I rebuke you, Satan. That is not God. That, no, that's not. I mean, this, this is my whole month. This is, you know, God's, this is God's provision and logic and reason and rationale and all that kicked in. And so, and this little boy, give it, give, give that missionary love off. And I said, Lord, Lord, you, 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 I'm, you're not clarifying what you mean here. You mean a portion of the love offering. You mean, you know, after I tie 10% over that and give him the love offering. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Have you, have you ever, has this ever happened to you? you know, wait, 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 can we talk about this? <laughs> Let, let's just talk, just, just for a minute, give him the love No, 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 just, be, just let me talk. Let me just present, give him the love No, wait, wait, let me talk about this, God. Give him the love offering, give him the love offering, you know. Well, finally, I said, okay, okay. So I went over to the missionary and I said, listen, the Lord told me to do something. Don't tell anybody I did this, please. But uh, this is from the Lord. Receive it from the Lord. And I took the check out and I endorsed it. 
And I gave it to the missionary. We went out to eat afterwards, and about 20 people from the church, they were, you know, and we kind of did the men-women thing. The men were sitting on one end, the women on the other, and we were talking and all. And there was a guy across from me that I had met one time before, about a month before, on a deer hunt to Colorado. About 30 men went on this deer hunt to Colorado, and there was this guy sitting across from me. And all of a sudden, it was like the men, these guys started talking about something, and he and I were just like in a vacuum almost. And he leaned across the table to me and said, how much was the love offering? And I mean, I just met this guy one time. I mean, you know, here's my love offering. (laughs) (laughs) But for some reason, I just kind of leaned in and I told him the amount. And then he said to me, Where's the check? Just like that. I never. Now, let me explain something to you. This man was the first person I'd ever met in the office of a giver. Romans 12 says there are seven motivational gifts. Can I tell you something? You have one of these motivational gifts. Now, you may move in several of the gifts, but one of them motivates you, drives you, moves you. You have one of these gifts. And is it possible, since there are seven motivational gifts, that one out of seven of you have the gift of giving and no one's ever developed it in you? Is it possible? Well, this man had the gift of giving. So he says, where's the check? Now, I know I know, I was wrong. I know I shouldn't have done this, but I didn't want anyone to know, so I lied. I said to him, uh, Debbie's got it. <laughs> now, we're, we're leaned in, remember? These guys are talking. And he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. I said, okay. So I got up and I walked, I walked down. We were at a pizza place. So I walked down to the other end of the table. I said, hey, how's your pizza? Good. Okay. okay. <laughs> I walked back. I mean, what was I supposed to say? You know, so I walked back and I said, you know, we leaned in. I don't know why we kept leaning. We leaned. I said, I leaned. I said, it's in the car. And he said, he's leaning. He says, no, it's not. And I just sat there looking at him. He said, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, well, why do you think that? He said, because God told me. Of course, I won't say, well, then why are we playing this game? <laughs> so, but he said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out a check, and he opened it up, and he held it across the table like this, and it was made out to me, and it was for exactly ten times the amount. To the penny. This was an offering, not an honorarium they gave me, which had cents on the end of it. His had cents on the end of it. And he had written it before he ever came to the service. Now that's a giver. And he put it out like this, kind of doing like this. So I reached up to take it, but when I grabbed it, he wouldn't let go of it. (laughs) And I had the bottom and he had the top of it. And he looked at me right in the eyes and he said, God is about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. And something happened in my heart at that moment. And my wife and I began to give. Now, listen to me. I'm sharing this with you as a Christian. Hear me. It's the most exciting walk I've ever walked on. My wife and I began to give and to give and to give. And the more we gave, the more God has blessed us. We, and please hear me, please hear. By God's grace, my wife and I have given 11 vehicles to people who needed vehicles. We gave away a house. By God's grace, 
by God's grace, we've, went, we've gone through a season in our life when we gave over 70% of our income by God's grace. Please, the reason, the reason that I'm sharing this with you today is because it will help you. I promise you, this is one of the best things any preacher could ever share with you. That you can live in the miraculous, and you can live in the miraculous in the area of your finances. And it's wonderful. And it spills over to every area of your life. It's not just the finances. It's in your heart. It's in your children. It's every area of your life. It's wonderful. So, Malachi chapter 3, all right? Let's read some verses here and then answer some questions. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Ordinances, notice that. And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord of hosts is four times in these six verses we read. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, we're asking God. They're, they're asking God, how shall we return? This is God's answer. Most pastors start with verse 8, but it is the answer to a question. And the question is, how do you want us to return to you, God? Verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Watch this. In tithes? And offerings. Now see, most of us know we could rob God in tithes, but did you know you could rob Him with offerings as well? That's We're going to talk about that in a moment. You are, verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Second time that phrase is in there. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says says the Lord of hosts, third time, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. All right, this is an amazing passage, but it raises some questions that we want to answer. Number one, does God change? Look back at Malachi 3, verse 6, verse 6. I am the Lord, I do not change. Do you see how clear that is? I do not change. All right, here's the question. Does God change? What do you think? No. All right. Did he change between the Old and New Testament? No. Was God uh, mean in the Old Testament and now he's nice in the New Testament? Maybe God got saved between the Old and the New Testament. Now God's nice and kind and compassionate and merciful. He was mean in the Old. He's nice in the New. No. God doesn't change. Were people saved by law in the Old Testament and grace in the New? No. No. No person has ever been saved by law. No person, Romans 3 says, no person has ever been justified by the deeds of the law. Romans 4 declares it again. Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness. 
Genesis 6 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Every person who's ever come to Christ or come to God has come through grace, not through law. No one has ever been able to keep the law. So we're not saved by grace in the old and saved by, uh, I mean, saved by law in the old and saved by grace in the new. But we have this thing, God changed. Well, the first thing I want to say is God didn't change. But this is what many people say. Well, no, no, God didn't change, but we're not under law, we're under grace. I agree. I absolutely agree with you. But what does that mean? What does it mean that we're under grace, not law? Well, let me ask you some questions. Does that mean if it was wrong under law that it's right under grace? No. If it's wrong under law, it's still wrong. Listen, murder was wrong under law. Everyone agree with that? All right. Is it still wrong to murder? Well, yeah, but we're not under law. We're under the grace. Well, yeah, but you can get arrested, you know, for murder. Okay, I'll give you another one. Adultery. Adultery is wrong under the law. Everyone agree? You agree? Is it right under grace? No, it's still wrong. Adultery is wrong. See, we've got this thing. Well, you know, we're under law. We're under grace. What does that mean then? Does that mean then if it was wrong, now it's right? And does it mean if it was right, now it's wrong? Tithing was right under the law. So now it's wrong? No. See, the word here that we need to understand is the word ordinance. God says, you've gone away from my ordinances. What is an ordinance? An ordinance comes from the word order. And it means a principle of order. A principle of order. God says, you've gone away from my principles that I gave you to keep your lives in order. The word ordinary means normal order. If you say that's just ordinary, that means that's normal order. An ordinance is a principle of order. Please hear me. There are principles all through God's Word that were before the law and are after the law, and they are to help us keep our lives in order. And tithing is a principle of God. Tithing was 430 years before the law. Before the law. And there are New Testaments. I don't, I'm not going through all that. I could preach a whole other message on the New Testament case for tithing. But I can tell you one. Hebrews 7 says that when we tithe, Jesus himself receives our tithes. That's a pretty good verse. When I put my check in that box back there, it goes in Jesus' hand. I'm giving to Jesus when I tithe. See, there's so much that we don't understand. But let me just say, God doesn't change. Now, so murder is still wrong. Adultery is still wrong. But let, let me just tell you something about being under grace, not law. I'm glad all you... Y'all agree you're under grace, not law? You agree? Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> because I just want to let you know something. Grace requ- requires more than the law. Y'all, yes, it does. Let, matter of fact, let's just sum... Let's just, if we could sum up grace in a name... Would you agree that name is Jesus? Jesus is grace, right? He's full of grace and truth. All right, now, now, just, just follow me, all right? Matthew 5, verse 21, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old. Matthew 5, 21. I want you all to be able to see this on the, on the PowerPoint. So I'm going to wait just a moment so we... It'll come up magically in just a moment. In just a moment, it will it will appear. 
There, okay, Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now, this is Jesus talking. Now, where was it said, you shall not murder? The law, right? The Ten Commandments. But I say to you, who's talking here? This is Jesus. But grace says to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, look, look, just look at this for a minute. The law says don't murder. Grace says don't even be angry. That's more, right? All right, look, look at verse 27 of this. Jesus said, you have heard it said that you have, verse 27, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's farther. That's more. Under law, I just have to not commit adultery. Under grace, I can't even think about it. Did you see that? This is grace. So I am so glad that all of you agree that you're under grace, not law. Because that means then, if you give by grace, you give more than 10%. Where are y'all? Are y'all here today? Do you just not like this or what? See, the law says don't murder Grace says don't even be angry at your brother. The law says don't commit adultery. Grace says don't think about it in your heart. Law says give 10%. Grace says you want to give by grace. You want to give by grace? You know what they did in the New Testament? They gave everything. Yeah, I don't, I'd like to go back to law. <laughs> no, you don't want to go back to law. See, God's never changed. And the tithe belongs to God. So there are ordinances He's given us to live by. Here's the second question. Do we need God to return? What I mean by that is God says, return to me and I will return to you. Look at it in verse 7 there. Malachi 3, 7. God said, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Do we need God to return? Absolutely. We need God to return. Let me show you a scripture. Judges chapter 6. The Lord shows up, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You ever felt that way? <laughs> if God's with me, how come all this has happened to me? And where are all his miracles which our Father told us about? Now I want you to look at that scripture for a moment. That's a good scripture. If the Lord is with us, where are his miracles? You think the church needs to ask that today? If God's with us, where are his miracles? But I want you to notice something. The angel of the Lord did not say. Well, look, look at what the Lord said. The angel of the Lord said, The Lord is with you. He didn't say the Lord is with y'all. I mean, I don't know if he's from Texas or not. But he didn't say the Lord is with Israel. He said, the Lord is with you, Gideon, because you haven't departed from the Lord's ordinances and the Lord's principles. And Gideon misunderstood and said, well, if God is with us, where are all his miracles? God wasn't with us, wasn't with them. He was with Gideon. 
So this is an important question we need to ask. Do we need God's miracles in the church? Absolutely. Do we need God's miracles power? But how? What's the problem? He said, well, you've, re, you've, re, you've left me, so I left you. You come back to me. That's what Malachi says. You come back to me, I'll come back to you. Well, what do we need to do then? We need to return. And in what way do we need to return? God said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Now, how can we rob God with offerings? I mean, aren't tithes? The tithe belongs to God. That's what the Bible says. The tithe belongs to God. But offerings are over and above the tithe. So how can I rob God with my offering? Well, first of all, let me just explain something to you that I believe about tithing. Now, if you haven't been blown away yet, you're about to be blown away. I just, just want you to know, okay? You're about to be blown away. I don't believe that tithing is giving. I believe that tithing is returning. And listen to me. The Bible says the tithe belongs to God. Is that right? So when I tithe, am I giving or am I returning? Listen, what what, what happened to someone of you came in and said, Hey, I need to borrow your car. Pastor, my car's in the shop next week. Need to borrow your car. So I said, okay, here. Here's the keys to my car. You take my car. You borrow it for three four days. Your car gets out of the shop. And you come back and you say to me, Pastor, I want to give you this car. I want to give it to you. I just want you to know I love you and I'm going to give you this car. And I'm going to say, you're not giving me this car. This is my car. I wrote the check out of my account and bought this car. This is my car. I loaned it to you. You're just returning it to me. Don't tell me you're giving it. You're returning it. All right, you want to give me, give, you want me to give you scripture on it? Listen. The parable of the talents. God gave to one five talents, gave to another two, and to another one talent. Do you remember this parable? Five talents, two talents, and one talent. Now think about think about what we're talking about. The one who had the five talents given to him gave back to God the five talents that God gave him and five more. And God said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. The one that had the two talents gave back to God the two talents and gave back to him two more. And God said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. But the one who had the one, listen carefully, listen, said to God, here is what is already yours. And God said, you're a wicked and lazy servant because you only gave to me what was already mine. You should have at least put it in the bank and got some interest on it so you could give me more than what was already mine. Now, I told you you are about to be blown away. Have you ever had a pastor stand up and say, All you tithers are wicked and lazy. No, they just want to barely get you to give 10%. Let me tell you something. I don't want you to give 10% grudgingly. I want God to do a miracle in your hearts. 
So you want to give. So you don't become grudgingly. God doesn't want you to come grudgingly. God loves cheerful givers. God loves it when He does a work in our heart. We say, God, I just wish I could give you everything. I'm telling you, we are a long way from where God wants us. See, we're born selfish. We're born again generous. We're born takers. We're born again givers. We need to return to God because so God can return to us. And we can give more. We can give offerings over and above. Here's the third question. Is there really a curse? Well, uh, look at uh, Malachi 3 verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. Now, you know, you realize we got we can explain away Scripture better than anybody. We can just read it right there in the Bible. Well, you know, the Bible says, you know, Jesus bore the curse of the law for us. All right, well, let's just talk about that for a minute. Does it also, does the Bible say that he bore our sins on the cross? Anyone agree with that? Okay. Have you ever sinned since you became a Christian? Anybody? Anybody here ever sinned? Okay, okay. Uh, the Bible also says in Matthew 8 that he bore our sickness. He bore our sickness. Matthew 8, 17. Anybody here ever been sick since you got saved? Well, Galatians 3 says he bore the curse. Does that mean then that we can never come under any curse? Let me explain to you what a curse is. A curse is a consequence. That's a curse. A curse is a consequence. In other words, you do this, this is the consequence. Let me just tell you something. All of you here, even though you're, you're already believers, if you murder someone, there's a consequence. And you can just say all you want. I'm a believer. I can't come under the curse of the law. You're going to jail. You murder, there's a consequence. Listen, you commit adultery, there's a consequence. You don't tithe, there's a consequence. According to God, it's robbing. And there is a curse. And let me, let me just show you a really good scripture on this. Before I show it, let me, uh, let me give you a little example. We're talking about the miraculous, having the miraculous. And we're talking about giving in the miraculous, all right? Do you remember the story of Jericho? Remember that? Would you say Jericho was a miracle? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you know how much about how big the walls were. They were huge. The walls were probably as wide as this building and as tall. These walls weren't just little walls, you know, like this big. People lived in these walls. Rahab lived in the wall, hid the people, the spies, in her home and let them down through a window in the wall. She, her house was in the wall. This huge wall. These, the Israelites marched around it once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, marched around the walls seven times and shouted and blew trumpets, and the walls fell. You want to, let's all, can we agree? That's a miracle, right? Okay. So they have a miracle. They go then to take the next city, which is Ai, a little bitty city, and they get whipped. And God, Joshua, goes to God, and this is real clear, and Joshua basically says, where's your power? And you know what God says? My power left when you took my tithe. When you took what belonged to me, my power left. Look at it. Joshua chapter 6, verse 18. And you, by all means... Now, you know, you would think if God says, by all means, <laughs> that we'd listen. By all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of uh, the accursed 
things and make the camp of Israel a curse. Are y'all picking up the word curse in there? Did you see that a couple of times? A cursed and cursed? Okay. But all the silver and the gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. They'll come into the treasury of the Lord. Listen, what he said was all the silver and the gold, it's consecrated, but it's also cursed. In other words, if it comes to my house, it's consecrated. If you take it to your house, it's cursed. That's the tithe. Jericho was the tithe of the promised land. See, God didn't, you, we have to understand the tithe is always first. It's not just 10%, it's the first 10%. It's declaring God first in our lives. God said, when your sheep has a lamb, give me the firstborn. He did not say, when your sheep has ten lambs, give me one of them. He said, give me the first one. And you had to give the firstborn in faith, hoping that the lamb, and having faith that God would bless your, your sheep and he would have more lambs. She, she would have more lambs. He is probably not correct there. <laughs> she would have more lambs. So God says, give me first. It's first. Listen, when they went into the promised land, God said, all the silver, all the gold, all the bronze and iron from Jericho is mine. And you can have all the rest of it. Why did he say that? Because the first belongs to God. See? He didn't say, go take ten cities and then give me whichever one you want to give me. Whichever 10% you want to give, then you give that. No, God said, you give me the first. And they went in, and this is what he said. It's so clear. With all the silver and gold, he said, you bring it to my house. And when you bring it to God's house, it's blessed. When you take it to your house, it's cursed. It's just so clear. So Achan decided to take some to his house. And God's power left. See, that's what we've been talking about for over a month now. How do we get God's power back in the church? Well, i got to tell you, if we're stealing from Him, we're not going to have His power. It would, be very, it would be very beneficial to you if you would look back at what you've made over the last 12 months and what you've given and see, have I stolen from God? It would be beneficial for you to look back at what you've made over the last 12 years and what you've given and see, have I stolen from God. Do I have the accursed thing in my house, in my bank account? Did I take of the accursed thing that was set aside for the Lord's house? Is there really a curse? You better believe there's a curse. Well, that brings us to another question. Is there really a blessing? Well, verses 10 through 12, Malachi 3, 10 through 12. Watch what God says here. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, or test me now in this. This is the only place in the Bible God says you can test him. Do you know why? Because this is too un- this is unbelievable. I mean, just, just listen now to what he says if you do this. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Just just stay with me just for a minute. If we believe that, that would change our lives. Do you realize how many Christians go in a room and shout at the devil... 
When the Bible says that if we give him, if we tithe and bring offerings into the house, God will rebuke the devourer for us. I don't have to stand there and shout at him all day. I got God standing on my doorstep saying, you can't come in here because the tither lives here. That's pretty good. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. All nations will call you blessed. Is there a blessing? There's a blessing. There is absolutely no doubt God's blessing comes when we obey, when we give, when we see, because God does something in our hearts. This is what, this is what I want you to understand more than anything. It represents your heart. I, I, I'll tell you something. Right? I know, I know some of you don't know like this. It's okay. I'm, I'm used to it. I just, <laughs> I can look at your checkbook and see where your heart is. Because Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, look at the scripture for a minute because we quote that backwards. We say, you know, the Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. No, it doesn't say that. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you, do, you, do you know why God said it that way? This is in red, by the way, if you like red. This is in red. You know why Jesus said this? Because your heart follows your treasure. You buy a boat, you're going to take care of that boat. Because you got treasure in it. And nothing wrong with having a boat. You, 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 your tre- wherever your heart is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You invest in a stock and you'll start opening the paper and reading about that stock and you've never looked at that stock before in your life. Why? Because you put some of your heart there. You put your treasure there. Would you like for your heart to be in God's house? You put your treasure there. It's about the heart. God does a work in our hearts. I was preaching on giving in Baton Rouge, Louisiana years ago. And when I preached on giving, I just, at the end of it, I would say, now, I'm not doing it today, I'm just preaching to you. But when I used to travel in churches and preach, I'd tell them, I want you to give, you know, afterwards. You, I'm just I'm just preaching today and letting you know, you do whatever God tells you to do. But anyway, at the end, I would kind of, I'd let them have a time to give. I'd say, just give wherever God tells you to give. But you can't give to me. I preached on giving now for 19 years, and I've never, ever taken an offering from me afterwards. When I used to do the Sunday through Wednesday revivals, I'd tell the pastor, now, if you're going to receive an offering, because let's say they were already receiving an offering, I'd say, you better, it ends on Tuesday night, because Wednesday I preach on giving, and nobody can give the love offering on Wednesday night. So it ends. Tuesday night's the last night, because I'm going to preach on giving, and I want them to give to the church. I've gone to many churches and preached on tithing, and their tithe has doubled and tripled. And I think that's wonderful. So, I'm up and I preached on giving, and I said, now, just give wherever God tells you to give. This couple came up to me, and they were so broken. I mean, they were just beside themselves, weeping. And they said, God told us to do something. And they said, we know that you said we couldn't give to you, but God told us to bring this to you, and then you do, you're supposed to give it somewhere. And they handed me this folded over check. And I knew, I knew as they were handed to me, God had already spoken to me. I just knew. I knew what was about to happen. And I knew what they were doing. And so I said to them, what is this check? And they said, it's every penny we have. And so I said, all right. 
put it in my hand. They put it in my hand. I said, now, this is mine now, right? I remember the, the wife, she went, yes. <laughs> I said, I can do anything with it I want. Is that right? I said, yes. And so I took it and began to just tear it in little pieces. And when I did, they fell on the floor, both of them. And they just began to weep. I know this couple. I I still know this couple. Let me tell you something that happened that day. And they've never been the same since. God got all of them. He did such a miracle in their hearts. Their testimony is to this day, we've never been the same. It was the hardest thing we ever did. And we've never been the same. Hear me. God doesn't want your money. He wants you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.